Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, welcome, welcome to uh, Legacy Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Tony, and my wife and I are the lead pastors here. And man, I just got to tell you, I know first service people already get an extra crown in heaven for being at the early service, but on daylight savings, come on, give yourselves a pat on the back. And and I'm, you know, no no offense to the older generation, but I'm just like, if you're a young parent in the room right now, and you made it to the 9 a.m. service, I mean, come on. That either that means you're a hero or you kind of just did what I did. Like, I'm already up anyway. Come on, right? Like, you were already up, so you just decided to make it here. But welcome, welcome to um, our, our first service of Daylight Savings. How many of you guys actually, like, would agree that Daylight Savings just kind of needs to go away? Like, anybody? No, I mean, like, I, I get it. Farmers might need it, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, before we jump into today's message, Sophia alluded to this, but I, I cannot move forward with anything this morning without first just saying a huge, huge thank you to all of you that made our father-daughter dance the success that it was on Friday. I, I know she's going to hate what I'm about to do, but I just want to specifically say, Ashley, great job, our children's director. Um, if you, if you didn't know, Ashley Hoover is our, is our children's director. And by the way, you know you're doing a good job as a children's director when you actually get to sit in service. You've actually, you've created a team to where now you can like work yourself out of a job. But man, she had this idea and I was like, go for it. And I kid you not, other than mo- removing like a, a few chairs, I did nothing but show up that night. And I'm like, there was like 40 some people that helped us set up the day prior and in another, what, 30-some people of you came yesterday to reset this. It was awesome. It was amazing. We got to host over 100 fathers and their daughters here. Uh, Most of them were from the community, you know, so we had a lot of you dads here. But really, I got a chance to meet a ton of guys from the community, from the neighborhood. In fact, I had one dad come up to me, and I kid you not, this isn't a pastoral exaggeration, okay? This is a true story. He came up to me, tears in his eyes, and said, "Um, I have two other daughters that are all older, and I've always, they just recently moved moved here from out of state, uh, no surprise there. And he said, since 2020, uh, I haven't been able to, to, to do anything uh, that's special with my youngest daughter. So thank you for having an event that allowed me to connect with her. She's been able to do, she's been able to watch as her older sisters got to do all this and in 2020 shut us down, and et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, this is our first event as a father and a daughter. And I'm telling you, we danced the night away. It was fun, man. It was fun. It was great. And I'm telling you, it was beautiful to see all the volunteers, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandparents. It was, it was just beautiful, you guys. And so thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I just, is it okay to just celebrate a couple things before we jump into today's message? Like, can I just say last weekend did my heart some good, y'all. Like, I'm telling you, if you were here for second service and you saw we got
got to baptize six people. But uh, uh, just the, that, that step of faith that they took. But beyond that, like, it just felt like there was just this extra weight of support from you. Come on, you're getting the idea that, like, we're not just like a church building, but you are the church. And I could just spiritually, in my, just in my, in my gut and in my heart and my soul, I don't know where I, where I felt it in my spirit. I just felt like there was just this backing of the people of God celebrating this step that people took. And it was just beautiful. We had 347 people here last weekend. It was amazing. I'll tell you what, God's building his church. It's beautiful. Um, and, and, and it's amazing. Like Sophia said, we had to open up a second uh, Pies with Pastors because we got so many of you new folks. So those of you that are legacy members and you've been here for a while and you're going, what's a while? Longer than six months. You are no longer new. It is now your turn to welcome in the new, okay? It's your turn to make sure you give them a hug and they continue to say what they say about us. That is that we're genuine, that we're loving, and that's now on us to continue that culture, okay? So today, I'm excited to start a brand new series for you. We're taking a quick little break from our vision series. And as we lead up into Easter, I believe God's placed a, a very special message on my heart for today. And I'm excited because then next weekend, Pastor Paula is going to be preaching. And then uh, on the 26th, Lane McDonald's going to be preaching. Um, and uh, I, don't worry, I'll be here next week. But uh, don't be offended if you come to second service and I rush out. It's because I'm getting in the car and driving to Air sunny Arizona, okay? And and then I, we won't be here on the 26th, but we'll be uh, watching online and cheering Lane on. Uh, he's going to do an amazing job, and I'm excited. And then when we come back, it's going to be Palm Sunday, and then we're right into Easter. I'm telling you, God's doing some beautiful things, and, and I want to talk to you about this idea of preparing the way. And the, the scripture that we're going to look at today in the book of Luke, uh, before we jump into it, I just want to let you know, it's, it's really interesting as I began to uh, study for this message and for this series, it's interesting to me to find out that the passage we're about to read in the book of Luke is literally 460 years after God has gone silent. So the last we hear from the prophets in, in Malachi, we, then there's a gap of about 460 years where God is essentially silent to his people. And then Luke is, writes this, and, and, and we see that John is used now to bring forth what, what seems to be a prophetic word that in reality is just a reference to what had already been prophesied in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And so we find ourselves in the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 2 through 6, and it says this, At, at this time, a message from God came to John who was living in the wilderness. Come on, he was a bearded hippie, you know, sitting on the side of the road, you know, van life. Then John went into the place uh, to, to place on both sides, for, for, from place to place, excuse me. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said... He is a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way of the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all people, say with me, all people, 
All people, that's why we say hope for all. All people will see the salvation from God. Father, I thank you so much, not just for the beautiful things that you are doing, Lord, but for the beautiful things that are even yet to come. Father, with great faith and great anticipation and expectation, we approach your throne this morning, knowing, God, that there's a confidence in the fact that you hear us, you respond to us. And Lord, I'm convinced more than ever that you are interested in meeting every person here in this room right where they're at on their journey of faith, God. Whether they're just beginning that journey, whether they're just beginning to ask questions, maybe they're coming back to faith, or maybe they've been walking with you for a long time. God, I'm just so grateful because you don't have to rely on my words to minister to people. You have the ability to talk to them and speak to them right where they're at today. And so my prayer this morning is that you would use my words, that they would be your words flowing through me this morning to deliver a message that would point us to Jesus, that would point us to the character of Christ, so that in that, Father, there would be a desire in all of us to become more like your son, Jesus. So help us, God, as we prepare a way for a great celebration on Easter. But Father, we pray, God, that our hearts would be stirred, our minds would be clear, and Lord God, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and got a willingness to carry out what you would have for us this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. How many of you uh, hosted a party at some point or another? You've hosted a party, right? Like you know that when you're hosting a party, what's the first thing that you have to do? You gotta clean your house, am I right? Like, it's when, it's when you break out all the silverware that you don't usually break out, right? Like, when you're hosting a fancy party, that's what you do, right? You break out that china that your great-grandmother gave you and it lives in a box uh, until Thanksgiving rolls around or until a fancy party comes around, right? And it's special, right? Because, and I don't know if, uh, if you've ever seen this, but on social media, there's this video rolling around. I was gonna up it and show it to you guys, but it's, it's kind of a funny video of how moms act uh, the day before hosting a party. And so it's this woman frantically going around and vacuuming and cleaning and dusting and screaming at her children and, and her husband's kind of standing, you know, and keeping the kids at bay and no offense to the ladies. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be satire. But how many of you know that, that you got to prepare your house, you prepare the space in order to host a party, Right. And when it comes to the preparation of a party, I don't know uh, if you know this, but as I mentioned earlier, Easter is right around the corner. And Easter, more than just a, a celebration in the calendar year, it is one of the, the, the things that anchors our faith is the celebration that Christ is no longer dead, but he was raised to life. That, that is uh, essentially the, the pinnacle of him fulfilling the prophetic that had been spoken of him 700 years prior, is that not only would he die a, 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 a death on a cross, but that on the third day he he would be raised to life. And here's the beautiful thing is Easter can be celebrated every day in our hearts. But in order for us to get to that place, I believe there is a preparation that must take place even in our hearts for us to truly be able to celebrate this well. Because what happens is maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and now Easter has kind of lost its kind of power and effect on you. 
Maybe the story of Jesus being raised from the dead has now just kind of become a common theme that you kind of hear about. And if you come to Legacy, you hear about it almost every Sunday because, well, Tony, you just keep preaching the gospel over and over and over and over again. And it can kind of lose its effect. And my cry to us over the next three weeks is for us to return to our first love. My cry, my heart for all of you today is that we would be able to return to that moment of realizing that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that what saved a wretch like me. That I once was lost, but then I was found. I was blind, but now I can see, right? Come on. And so this idea of preparing for a celebration means there's a preparation in our hearts that takes place. Not only that, but I don't know if you know this church, and here's some theology for you. We're also in preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Much like the people of God were in preparation, waiting for the coming of the Messiah, well, he showed up. And after he left, he promised he would come back again for a pure and spotless bride. And church, I don't know if you know this, but it's on you and I to now prepare the way for the second coming of our God. And so if this is how we're going to live, and if this is how we're going to live our lives with great expectation of this second coming, well, we've got to be willing to know that it's on us to prepare a way for miracles, prepare a way for salvation, and most importantly, preparing a way for the proclamation of his saving gospel for all people. This is why we say there is hope for all. I don't know if you know this, but... um, you're not just here because you have nothing better to do on a Sunday. Maybe some of you were kind of forced into coming on Sunday. Maybe your spouse forces you, or maybe you're a little coerced into it, or maybe tradition tells you to come. But can I just tell you, I'm not here because I have nothing better to do on a Sunday. I'll speak for myself, and, and maybe I'll just declare that over you. You're not just here because you have nothing better to do than to wake up an hour earlier on daylight savings and, and rub the eye goobers off your face and kind of stumble your way into church. No, we're here not because there's nothing better to do on a Sunday, but hear me, church. We're here because there is nothing better than to join the mission of Jesus on this earth. Amen. And so we're here to proclaim of his coming, to prepare the way in our hearts, and to prepare environments that will allow the miraculous things that he has for us to take place. So how? How, how, how does this look? What does this look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, we prepare the way with praise. We prepare the way with praise Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, he is a voice, look at this, shouting. There's a scripture, it's uh, Luke 3, 4, guys. There we go. It says this, he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. Church, how do you and I respond in the wilderness? How do you and I respond in the darkness? How do you and I respond when the pastor last week gives you statistics about how the the religious affiliation of people in the Treasure Valley is dwindling by the minute? 
And we live in a dark world. And we live in essentially in a time where people are concerned about interest rates because they're through the roof. They're concerned about economic stability because gas prices are up. They're concerned about how they're going to feed their families because groceries are up. Come on, somebody. Anybody out there living in the real world like me? Maybe you're in the retirement phase and you're going, I'm on a fixed income. And this thing is crazy what's happening right now. What? How do we respond in in the wilderness? How do we respond in the darkness? Will we be light in dark places? Will we be the kind of people that will be a voice shouting in the wilderness? If we're going to be those that prepare the way, if we're going to be those that clear the roads for the king of glory to come in. Church, I would like to submit to you that you and I have got to become a people of praise. We've got to become a people that when things are dark, our light shines brighter. When things are, are seemingly in a wilderness, excuse me, desert season, we've got a song to sing. We've got a God to praise. And if you don't believe me, can I tell you, this is what has sustained the people of God for generations. This is why, can I just create a parenthesis? This is why it's so important for you to know the word of God and for you to know church history and for you to get into what it really means, what our forefathers have done, what the early church has done, what has sustained and all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the prophets, all throughout the Psalms, all throughout Jesus' teaching, all the way to Paul's teaching that then bled into the early church, we see that a common church practice is praises. Praises have always, should always, and will always continue to come from the lips of the people of God. Let me say it to you this way. If your lips aren't declaring, then you're not creating an atmosphere for his presence. Yes, I know I'm done preaching our values series, but can I tell you, this is why we're presence-driven. And if we're truly going to be a, a, a people of God that are driven by His presence, we must be those that with our lips declare in order to create an atmosphere for His presence to move. You and I are called to be atmosphere setters. We prepare the way with praise. If you've heard me preach before, at some point or another, I, I've probably mentioned this. And so let me reiterate, there's a big difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. You know what a thermostat does? It tells you how hot or how cold something is. I'm sorry, opposite. You know what a thermometer does? <laughs> sorry, it's my third language. I got stuck in translation there. That's why I got my wife right here in the front row. So what is it? Yeah, a, a thermometer tells you the, the temperature, right? And some of us have fallen into the trap of simply becoming a thermometer. Oh, uh, you know the political climate we're living in? You know how dark the world is? All these people moving in from all these states that vote this way and they're changing our moral values? That, that doesn't happen here. It's just like a hypothetical that I watched on Facebook and Twitter, okay? And God's calling his people to be atmosphere setters. And you know what a thermostat does? It doesn't just tell you the temperature. It sets the temperature. Yep, come on. 
So people of God, as we prepare the way, let us be those that don't just tell and shout out the culture and the climate we live in, but we get to be the tone setters of the atmosphere in which people walk into. If we're going to be those that prepare the way for the Lord to not just move in people's lives, but to do the miraculous, we must be the kind of people that set an atmosphere for him to move. And can I tell you, he moves when he inhabits the praises of his people. This is why we are called to prepare with praise. Did you know that praising through the wilderness is probably one of the toughest things that you have to do and you'll face it at some point or another? There will be wilderness. Let me just give you some bad news real quick. And then, I'll, and then I'm going to backhand it with some good news for you. There will be wilderness seasons in your life. Jesus himself had to go through it. The people of God went through it. And can I just tell you right now, if you're in a wilderness season, can I tell you God is near to the broken hearted. But there's something beautiful that happens in a wilderness season where I learn how to worship out of a brokenness, where I learn to praise out of a, out of a season of, of storms, out of difficulties, out of pain, out of darkness, even through hopelessness. Can I tell you something happens in the deep part of you that, hear me church, hear me carefully, that you can't fake, you can't conjure it up. It's developed only in the wilderness. The people we admire the most in life are those that have overcome the most. And if we look at the Bible, we see figures of people that learned how to praise in the midst of darkness, in the midst of wilderness, in the midst of hopeless situations. And I'm telling you, you're going to find an aspect of God in the wilderness that you can't find anywhere else. And it's going to be one of the most beautiful things that you'll be able to tell others of. Sadly, I can't live that for you. You've got to live that for yourself. So I want to encourage you to go from, well, I don't feel like it, and turn it into I get to. We get to prepare the way for God to move. We get to prepare for people to experience who he truly is. One of my favorite stories I preached it many times, so I won't go into the full depth, but my favorite story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is found in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 22 through 33. And it's this story where we find Paul and Silas, they've just been thrown into uh, jail, excuse me, because of doing God's will. Like they, they heal a girl, and as a result, they get thrown in jail. By the way, if you knew the theology behind all that too, it, it was like doubly wrong because Paul was actually considered a Roman citizen. And so to be even be thrown in jail uh, uh, as a Roman citizen without a proper uh, judgment and, and trial was completely wrong. So he basically even the, the government failed him. He could have said, God failed me. Uh, God, have you ever done that? Like, have you ever served God and done what he asked you to do? And somehow you end up getting persecuted or hated on or your family doesn't like you for it or you lose friends for it. You're going, wait, wait, God, I, I do this and this is how you reward me, right? He could have taken on that attitude. And it's beautiful because it says that they were thrown. It's beautiful. Wait, it's beautiful that they were thrown in this? Check this out. They're thrown into the inner dungeon of this prison. So the darkest place 
of an already dark place, and it says at midnight, the darkest hour of the day. And it says they begin to sing praises and sing hymns to God. And the result of that was not only that they were free, but those that were lost around them began to experience the power of God and his salvation. By the way, when I talk about praise, when I talk about this idea of preparing the way with praise, some of you are already saying to yourself, well, my personality is different than yours, Tony. I'm not the guy that's going to like shout and kind of lift my hands. And like my kids the other night, last night, we, we had a birthday party for my nephew and, and my kids are, you know, how many of you know that birthday parties when you have kids is a time for the grandparents to ask the kids to perform th- tricks for them, basically, <laughs> right? They're like puppies, right? And so then for every trick, they get another cookie, right? Or another cupcake. So, so my parents, they love to do this, right? They got seven grandchildren, so they line them all up and they start asking them to do tricks for them, basically. And one of them is, what does daddy worship like? And, you know, my, my son, Nehemiah, he's, he's in kids' church right now, and he's like, you know, and he's like throwing his fists up in the air, you know, and how does mommy worship? And then he like starts imitating her move and all this stuff, right? Like some of you are like, the, uh, when you talk about praise, Tony, I'm not the fist up in the air guy and declare, but let, let me just say it to you this way. Uh, it might sound harsh, but just hear me out. Don't be ripped off by your personality. Don't allow your personality to rob you to rip you off of an experience with Jesus Christ and what it is to biblically lift his holy name. Like I'm telling you, this is what has sustained the church for generations. This isn't just an idea. And here's our problem is like we, we've created these different sects of Christianity, right? Like there's like the, the Protestant sect and then there's the Catholic and then there's there's the Lutheran and then there's the Baptist and then there's the Charismatics and then there's Pentecostals and then there's this. And because of that, we go, well, well, praising is just for those crazy Charismatic Pentecostals. And Tony, I didn't grow up in a church service like you that was three hours long with five organs going and, and a hanky and all that stuff. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what it is for you to experience praise bubbling out of from the inside out a heart that is grateful for a God that has saved them and just as we read in Psalms 40 God thank you for putting a new song in my heart so because that I praise you you don't have to have a good voice I'm proof of that you don't have to have anything else to say other than I praise you I lift you up you are worthy thank you God Come on, I'm teaching you. And I hope, I hope you put this in a practice, church. Because we are a worshiping church. But more so, we are a church that believes that there is power in our declaration. No, I'm not saying you're going to name it and claim it and call blessings down from heaven. And, and you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, okay, God, and, and I declare right now that I'm going to be driving a Tesla by next week. And you're in debt up to your eyeballs. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, there's power in a people that declare who God is, what he has done, and the faith that they have for what he is to do. And if you don't believe me, let me tell you what Charles Spurgeon, known as the, the Prince of Preachers in the 1800s, said about this very idea. Because there's this idea that praising with a confidence allows us to know that God will overcome evil. A voice that cries out in the wilderness, cries out in the darkness. Let me read to you Psalm 10 real quick before I tell you what Spurgeon said. Psalm 10, 16 through 18 says, The Lord is king forever and ever. 
The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. Prepare, prepare, prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and to the oppressed. The man of the earth may oppress no more. And I want to encourage you to just go home and, and, and read all of Psalm 10. But, but right here, Charles Spurgeon on this passage says this. The psalm ends with a song of praise and thanksgiving to the great and everlasting king because he has granted the desire of his humble and oppressed people has defended the fatherless and punished the heathen who trampled upon his poor and afflicted children now check this out let us learn that we are sure to fare well if we carry our complaint through praise to the king of kings rights will be vindicated and wrongs redressed at his throne his government neither neglects the interest of the needy, nor does it tolerate oppression in the mighty. Great God, we leave ourselves in your hand. To you we commit your church afresh. Arise, O God, and let the people of the earth, the creators of the day, be broken before the majesty of your power. Come, Lord Jesus, and glorify your people. Amen and amen. I wish I was born in the 1800s. I tell Sophia this all the time. We were born in the wrong era. And then I'm reminded that God has called us for such a time as this. But do you see the confidence that my praise will allow evil to be overcome? Which leads me to the second point today. And that is this. We prepare the way with faith and expectation. I, I didn't put it into the slide because I, I don't want this to be a turnoff to some of you. So hang with me in this second point. I'm going to get to what I'm about to say. But I, what I really wanted to say is prepare the way with great faith and great expectation. But hang with me because I know that some of you are going, I've got faith like a mustard seed, Tony. Like I'm in that phase. Uh, hang with me. The valleys will be filled. Look at this. Luke 3, 5. The valleys will be filled, and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. Prepare the way with great faith and expectation for what, Tony? To see that which is impossible be made possible. We prepare the way with great faith and great expectation that those situations and circumstances and things that are all around us that are seemingly impossible, and let me tell you, church, by all intents and purposes, they are impossible. And they're made possible through our God. Yes, that's right. Yes. Man, I'm telling you, church, this is not a season for us to shrink back. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It is not the season and the time for the church of God. And I'm saying church, big C, the big global church of God to, to separate and divide and continue to allow division to come in and, and to allow the world's things to come in and inflict us as if greater is he that is in us as opposed to the he that's in the world wasn't the truth. No, it's time for us to rise up to the occasion. And we rise up to the occasion by believing that the things that are impossible to man, come on church, you know this, are possible for God. Yes. 
just in this church. Let me just give you just a quick, well, I won't be quick, but let me just give you a couple testimonies that are just fresh in this church. Two weeks ago, we had our worship and prayer night. There's a, there's a lady, I have, her, I have permission to share these, but there's a lady in our midst, she's not here, I don't see her right now, so she's probably at second service, um, who walked in, her right knee was completely swollen, she could barely walk, she's been in a ton of pain for about a month, could barely walk, stu- basically almost stumbled her way in to church, and, and she's like, I have faith that God's gonna, gonna, gonna heal me. She's an elderly woman. I, 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 they're saying I need surgery, this and that. I mean, I, and I saw it with my own eyes, guys, the swelling, and I saw her walking in limping. We do an altar call to, to, to lay our hands on the sick and we anoint them with oil. She walks out of here that night. She goes, my, my pain's a little less. I said, okay. And then she says to me, but I'm gonna continue to believe that God's gonna heal me. I'm not exaggerating. This week, as we were preparing for the daddy-daughter dance, she came in on a Thursday to help us set up. She meets me in the lobby. She runs to me, first of all. She runs to me and goes, Pastor, look! And she starts running back and forth in the lobby right here, right now. She goes, I'm pain-free! She rolls up her pants. And I'm like, what are you doing? She rolls up, look, the swelling's gone! And and I'm pain-free! And she starts to jump and run back. I'm telling you. The blind will see, the, the deaf will hear, the, the, those that cannot walk are going to leap. And I'm telling you, like, that literally happened right here, y'all. Like, it's not just like, oh, and no, we didn't have to televise it and send in $1,000 so that God, you know, could wave his coat over us. And like, no, it happened. Let me tell you a more personal story. Some of you know that my, our youngest daughter, Maggie, uh, I won't go into all the details, but uh, as a result of bacterial meningitis at, at three weeks old, uh, she had uh, a shunt put in uh, as an emergency surgery when she was about a month old. Um, and that shunt is to help uh, f- basically, man, it's hard for me to talk about. Like, it, it basically just helps um, the fluid drain from her brain properly because uh, there's, there's a ton of brain damage there. And, and some of you know this, that she's already a walking miracle. Like, she shouldn't be alive. She flatlined on us three different times. I mean, the doctors look at her brain scans and they're like, kids that have this brain scan are like in a wheelchair or on feeding tubes or they don't talk, right? And, and like you guys see Maggie, she runs around here like, and other than vision impairment, hearing impairment and some cognitive things, uh, she's seemingly fine, but, but she, she had this shunt placed into her brain when she was a month old and we were told this is only a temporary fix because this is an emergency surgery. And so about a month ago, we went in for her yearly MRI with the neurosurgeon. And, and let me just clarify, there was, the question was never off the table as to when the surgery to either replace the shunt or remove the shunt, that, that, that was never an option. It was, there were two options. It was, we're either gonna remove the shunt completely, and, and that's like a brain surgery, like that's literally going into her brain and pulling out this tube, right? So if, if she's doing fine without it, like we're gonna try that, or we're going, if it's malfunctioning, not doing well, because she's experiencing headaches and, and all this stuff, then we need to actually replace it with a programmable shunt that will grow with her so that we don't keep having to address this, right? But at no point are they saying, or there's no need for surgery, right? It's like, we're going into an MRI to figure out which surgery. How many of you know that MRI techs also have the worst bedside manner? So like, this guy comes up and he, and he literally grabs Maggie and he's like, all right, we're gonna see which surgery you need. 
And like you say that to a six-year-old girl who's already traumatized by the medical field, and it was the first time that she was old enough to go to the MRI by herself. And so Sophia had to wait in the room alone as Maggie's like screaming her lungs out, right? Like, mommy, I know you can hear me. Like, it's just like, it's traumatizing, right? And so, so th- this, was on a, this was on a Monday. That Sunday night, the Sunday night prior is when we had our worship and prayer night. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes I have a lot of faith for a lot of people, but it's really hard for me to have faith for myself and my own kids at times. And so I, I do this altar call and I'm like, all right, we're going to anoint people with oil. And literally I'm like, I'm praying for everybody but my daughter. And I'm like, okay, I, like I'm just going to do this. So we, we anoint her with oil and a bunch of people surround her and they start to pray. And long, I know I've already gotten, gone long, but I, I kid you not, here's the result. We, they go to the MRI. Again, the question was never no surgeries, which surgery, right? And we get a phone call the day of the MRI, which is also already a miracle, right? Because like they never call you back with results unless they're bad results, right? The neurosurgeon calls us personally. She goes, her words, her words. I don't know what happened between last week and today, but that shunt that should never have continued to function in, at her age, that shunt that is designed for babies is still doing its job. So there's just no need for us to do a surgery. Faith and expectation prepare a way for the miraculous. Had a couple show up, and they literally had every reason to not show up to that worship and prayer night. They're dealing with some things with their daughters. It was their first, it was their second Sunday here at Legacy. And that afternoon, they had, they they dealt with some family issues, and they, they came in an hour late. I met them once, you know, like, you know how I meet you out in the lobby and like, hey, nice to meet you. I don't know if we had a chance to meet yet. And like, I I don't even remember their names because it was like their second Sunday here. And God gives me a word for them. That's like, I mean, it was clear as day. And I I just, I call it out and I go, hey, here's what God's saying to you. This is what I, I feel like God's saying to you. And he asked to meet with me the following week and he's bawling his eyes out at this coffee shop telling me, you literally read my mail. It's not my power. This is what happens when we create an environment of great faith and expectation. The healings begin to come. The miracles begin to come. The, the word of knowledge begins to come. Church, you, you got to understand me on this. This isn't a show. This is the power of the living God manifesting in your life and literally changing the trajectory of people's lives. Had another guy come in and met with me just this last Thursday. He's been addicted to painkillers for about four years. You wouldn't know. He comes to this church. He's been struggling. Came to that worship and prayer night. We laid hands on him. And he hasn't taken a pill in two weeks. Ooh. So the passage that we just read here. Valleys will be filled. Mountains and hills made level. The curves straightened and rough places smooth. 
It's not just talking about the miraculous, and it's not just talking about what we just shared, but it's specifically talking not just about the removal of obstacles, which sometimes we need that, but it's also what scholars and theologians call the reformation of morality. In other words, we're turning from our old, wicked, and sinful ways to those things that have once held us captive, and now we're being turned into the character and image of Christ. So when we talk about great faith and great expectation, we're not just preparing a way for these kind of miraculous stories. We're preparing a way for you to go from your sinful ways and these areas of your life that if you're anything like me, you just can't seem to shake at times. And God is going, will you have the faith and expectation that I will make the crooked things in your life straight? That those mountains that are in your way, that I can actually flatten them. That I can make a way where there is no way. So we prepare a way. We make a way. We make spaces for the miraculous with great faith and great expectation. Now, I, I keep saying great faith and great expectation. And some of you are sitting here. You're going, I struggle with this idea of faith, Tony. Like, you're saying great. And now you're like saying great faith. So like Tony, like it just, it took me everything just to get here today. Like do you, do you know my faith is like, can I just encourage you that faith and your fears can in fact coexist? That your faith and your questions, don't let 2020 tell you that faith and fear can't coexist. And I know I'm pushing some buttons by saying that because some of you have fallen into the lies that these memes on social media that are telling you faith over fear. And if you have fear, then you don't have faith. And what we've done is we've turned people away from the process of growing in their faith because unless you're fully grown in your faith and your faith is big. But my Bible in the book of Mark chapter 9, hopefully your Bible says the same thing, 14 through 29, paints one of the most beautiful stories of a desperate father needing healing and deliverance for his son. And then he says, hey, Jesus, I, I need your help. And Jesus goes, hey, do, do, you, do you believe that all things are, are possible through me? And he's like, yeah. And he literally says to me, to, to Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. That sounds to me like faith and fear coming together and God not being surprised by it or turning us away. Of course, this idea of faith is balanced with James teaching that without uh, deeds, faith is dead. And that Hebrews teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But let me say it to you this way. To prepare the way for the impossible to be made possible, we must be a people that expect great things from a great God. I have said this before, good things from a good God. Miraculous things from a miraculous God. Supernatural things from a supernatural God. We expect wonderful things from a wonderful God. Why? Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Come on, this is Bible. This is hope for you. The things that God has planned for you, you have no idea. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
So come on, I prepare with great expectation and great anticipation. Let me just practically give you a few things here before I begin to land the plane. Practically speaking, let me give you just some things for you to do. Some of them are going to sound really basic. And in the basic, you're going to be challenged to stick to the foundations of our faith. Okay? I'm just going to challenge you to pray like never before and in ways you've never prayed before. Church, if we're going to prepare a way with great faith and expectation, I'm going to challenge you to pray like never before. Can I tell you, seven months ago, when I was an assistant pastor in this church, I prayed differently than I have the last six months as the lead pastor of this church. I'm telling you, nothing's going to drive you to your knees more than wanting to see a move of God in your life and in other people's lives. And that's not isolated to the guy that became the lead pastor. No, this is for you. This is for you. God is telling you, and I'm telling you, through the Spirit of God this morning, it's time for you to pray like never before. And some of you have got to hear this clearly in ways you've never prayed before. You got to start praying some big prayers. You got to start praying some audacious prayers. You got to start praying some unsafe prayers that are going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. And I'm telling you, there's a beauty when you and I come to the Father in ways we've never come before. And He goes, I'm going to show you things I've never shown you before. Jeremiah 33 3, call to me. Call to me. I will answer you. Not things that I've already shown you. No, great and unspeakable things. Number two, don't overlook what's right in front of you. What do you have? Use it. Use it. Jesus, first miracle, water into wine. What do y'all got? All right, you got some water basins? Bring them on, fill them up. Let's do this. Right, this is Jesus. This is the way Jesus performs miracles. He goes, hey, what's right in front of you? What do you got? Let's bring it to me. Let's, let's use it. Even if it's not enough, I got this. You got, you got, you got, anybody got some fish and a few, uh, some loaves here to feed the multitude? Anybody? Oh, okay, this is what we got. Cool. I'll work with this. Yep. Number three, be okay with the unknown and unexplainable. Some of you are stuck in faith and expectation because you're waiting to be able to explain away the supernatural. And there are just certain things that are saved for the other side of eternity for us to understand. I'm just, like, I'm not trying to take the easy road out of theology and doctrine. I'm just trying to give you sound doctrine and theology by telling you we won't know all of the mysteries of our God, which is why you're not God and He is. Fourth thing, don't settle or get used to not seeing the impossible. This, this one hit me right between the eyes. A couple weeks ago, we, we're, we started this thing, uh, which we're going to roll out to you guys. This was kind of our pilot group, but it's a, an in-home training uh, of leaders here in our, in our home. So we've kind of uh, chosen some hand-picked people that are already like either elders or staff, and we're training them. And we were talking about signs and wonders, and one of the people brought this idea up of the reason why we're so surprised when we hear about revivals, or the reason why we're skeptical about revivals is because we're so so used to not seeing the supernatural. And we've settled that that's okay. 
I want to encourage you. It is not okay for the people of God to not experience the supernatural. Have this attitude that goes, I'll wrestle with you, God, until you win. <laughs> Last thing here, the practical, before I jump into my final point today, is, is this, is be open, stay curious, and anticipate that he will move. Why? Because others depend on it. And that's my third and final point. We prepare the way by persisting in our, marriage, in our message. Luke 3, 6. This passage ends with a beautiful statement. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Last week we talked about valuing everyone. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about how we exist to follow Jesus, to love and serve people, and to carry the message of hope for all. all. Then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Ultimately, if we, I want to say it to you, and I'm going to repeat it a couple times for those of you that are taking notes. So I think this statement is a powerful statement. If we, just like we preached last week on valuing everyone, ultimately, if we value everyone, then it means we value their eternity. If we truly value everyone, it means we value their eternity. If we're going to be a people that values everyone, we must care about the fact that people are dying outside of these four walls. I want you to be alert to this reality that we must never settle with the fact that, well, we got our salvation and God's restored my family and he's done his thing here and I'm cool with that. No. Your neighbors need this message. Your coworkers need this message. Those kids that are suffering with their identity and having identity crisis after identity crisis and sexual crisis after sexual crisis, I'm telling you, they need this message. The marriages that have no hope, that are falling apart, they need this message. We're going to prepare a way by not giving up on this message of salvation for all people. Church, I know I'm passionate. I get it. Please don't see what I'm talking about through the lens of, well, that's just you, Tony. That's what they pay you to be. And you're just a great personality with a lot of passion. No, we will not be moved off the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul himself in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 2 says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except what? Christ and Him crucified. This is our message that we will not relent on. Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For why? It is the power. Come on, say it with me. Power. Power. Some of you are going to need to wake up. Say power. There you go. I, I get it. Daylight savings of God for salvation to what? A select group of people. Are you getting what I'm throwing down here? Like, are you, are you catching this? For everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, not just a select handful group of people that were born into the right family with the right heritage. No, it's for everybody. Yes, 
And we see here that John's entire proclamation that we just read in, in, the, uh, in the third chapter of Luke, this entire proclamation and preparation culminates with all people seeing the salvation sent from God. And if you continue to read along the book of Luke in that third chapter, you're actually going to see that John persists in this message even when he's essentially, or eventually I should say, he's eventually questioned as to who he even was. Like, people now are skeptical, wait, wait, so are you the Messiah? Wait, wait. And he's like, no, no, let me point you back to the, to the guy. Like, I'm baptizing you, but, and it's great and it's good, but let me talk to you about the baptism he's going to bring. And, and, and John, even when people misunderstood his message, misunderstood him, he persisted in this message. I'm almost done. But do any of you, like me, love to start something and are not great at keeping at it and, like, following through? Come on. Come on. Let's go. Right? Like, so uh, about five years ago when we first moved to the valley, we had, we had built a house in South Nampa. First time ever having kind of that experience. We had owned a small starter home for about a year prior to that. And so it's so our first experience with a brand new house, and, uh, which also meant our first experience at tackling making a backyard for ourselves. How many of you know that in new developments in Idaho, you don't get a backyard. You get a amount of dirt, you know, with weeds and, and, and field mice all over it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And so Sophia and I had this grand idea, right? We're creative people. So we're like, okay, so it's going to have a fire pit there and our RV parking there and an awning over there and this and that. And, you know, pretty soon and all the cost all starts adding up, right? You, you know this, right? And so we, we design it. We've got it all. We start saving our pennies. And I, I remember even uh, Jeff Fawson sitting right here who's uh, in uh, contracting business helping me out. And like, okay, you got to do this. you got to level this. You gotta... And then as he starts telling me what I need to do, all of a sudden, like the umph to do it is like, uh. So like, I have to like clear out the weeds and like, I gotta like make this like level. Like what, what even is a level? Come on, somebody that didn't grow up with a handy dad. You know, my dad was handy in the word of God and that was pretty much it. Uh, no offense, dad, love you. And uh, you know, like, and so I remember we got the gravel all delivered one day and I'm like staring at it. <laughs> I'm like, all of a sudden, the umph to finish this project was gone, right? I'm like, thank God we have five children. Kids, come earn your keep, right? <laughs> the initial excitement and novelty of the gospel should never wane in our lives. Saints, let me talk to you. Those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while. What's a while, Tony? I don't know. What do you consider a while? What's due time, Tony? I don't know what God says is due time. You've been walking with Jesus for a while. And I want to encourage you that the message of the gospel not wane or lose its novelty in your life. This initial excitement of building this backyard quickly waned, hear me, when I realized the work I needed to put in. We must persist in the good work of the gospel. My question to you is, do you love the gospel or do you love the idea of the gospel? You guys know this. You know that I love to quote singers that are worldly. And I call them brother or sister, right? Like I'll tell you, haters are going to hate like Taylor, Miss, uh, you know, Sister Taylor Swift tells you. 
Well, today, let me tell you this. Brother John Mayer would tell you this. Do you love me or the thought of me? Right? He's spitting truth. Right? Some of you are like, who's John Mayer? You, you, listen, to non, you listen to secular music? Yes. Do we love the gospel or we, do we love the thought of the gospel? Do we love the idea of the gospel? And like John, not Brother John Mayer, but Brother John here in Luke, whether we face resistance, questioning, skeptics, we must not relent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up so uh, Keys and, and Acoustic, you guys can come on up. Um, I have a good friend of mine who's a pastor in, well, not good friend yet. He's becoming a good friend. Met him last year, but he's a pastor at a church in Coeur d'Alene, and uh, their church is called The Cause. And kind of their mission statement, I love it. I'm going to steal it right here. And he says this, we won't relent with the message, not until every lost cause becomes a found cause. And, and that's my heart today. As we prepare the way by persisting in our message, we must never relent until every lost cause is found and is given a cause. If we're really, like I said last week, if we're truly going to value everyone, we must not relent. So as we wrap up this morning, I, I would just submit to you, would you consider how are you preparing the way in the atmosphere in your home, in your, in your neighborhood, in, in your workplace, and even here in your local church, in your community with praise? How are you preparing the atmosphere in your heart, even with great faith and expectation for the impossible to be made possible? And how are you preparing by persisting in our message? I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to allow the band to just kind of keep playing. And We've got a team back there at the prayer corner that's ready to pray with you. Because I want to offer you a moment of reflection. I want to offer you a moment of meditating on what's been talked about. Because I believe all of us have a response today. There's areas of our lives that maybe we're challenged today, or maybe you need comfort in areas of your life. And I want to encourage you to leave your seats after I pray for you and head over to the prayer corner. We've got people that are trained to pray with you. They're not going to make it weird. They're not going to make it awkward. They're, they're going to be uh, prudent about it as well. You know, they're not going to spill your business everywhere. You, you should know that, that it's a safe place for you to go and process. Or you can stay in your seat and just process with God. But, but here's, here's what I want you to consider. Where in your life must praise begin to arise where in your life are you lacking faith and anticipation and expectation and when you see the impossible are you stuck with the impossible or do you have faith for the impossible where in your life are you preparing a way for those people that have never heard the greatest news they'll ever hear in their lives to hear it we've got practical ways around here you know this you know Easter's coming around the corner. We've got our egg hunt. We've got all these things. But beyond that, we are believing that God is going to do what only he can do when a people decide to rise up and not shrink back. So, Father, right now I pray for every person in this room, young, old, in between. God, no matter where they're at in life and their journey of faith, God, I pray today that faith would arise in all of us. God, that a greater expectation to see the things, those, those crooked paths be made straight, those mountains and hills be made flat. God, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that if there's areas of our life that are hindering you from doing that, we ask God even now that you would rid us of those things. And if today, God, there's anyone in this room that has never given their life to you and has never taken that first step, pray today, God, that that would be that moment.
Lord, that they would begin to journey with you. And for those of us that have already placed our faith in you, God, teach us. Teach us, God, to persist in this message. Teach us, God, how to have great faith, great expectation, Lord. We want more stories. We want more miracle stories, God. We want more healings. We want more signs. We want more one to not to give us glory, but to give you glory and to change the lives of people, not only in our own lives, but those around us as well, God. So we thank you for this moment. We ask now, Spirit of God, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. And if you still need some time, I want to just encourage you. We're going to keep the lights dim. If you need to exit, go get your kids or whatever. We're just going to ask you to do so quietly now. Uh, We just want to provide a space and some time for people to spend time with the Lord over the next few minutes. Again, you can go to prayer corner or you can sit in your seat. But I just want to, if you're not in a rush, just wanted to offer you that opportunity. For the rest of you, I love you. Hope you have a wonderful day. And if you're new, you're welcome to come to Pies with Pastors today. Uh, You can just simply swing by the Info Hub and get signed up for that. Love you very much. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.